Chapter Three of Fuel of Fire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fuel of Fire by Ellen Thornycroft Fowler. Chapter Three. Lawrence Baxendale. The pride that goes before a fall had ruled the master of the hall somewhere in the middle of the maze of lanes which lay between the ways and tetley wood stood an old red farmhouse sentinelled by a row of poplar trees from its front windows one could see the stretch of green fields that lay between it and the wood and beyond them the distant mountains which hid from the casual observer the wonderful doings of the setting sun and from its back windows one could see baxendale hall standing on the top of a green hill and supported by regiments of trees on either side it was at this old red house called poplar farm that lawrence and his mother took up their abode when the second marriage of lord portcullis made that nobleman's castle too full and some people said too warm to hold them it belonged to them being situated on the baxendale property and though small was quite as large an abode as their very limited means permitted to them poplar farm was about five minutes walk from wayside and propinquity did all that even the late arthur hugh clough himself could reasonably have expected of it for lawrence baxendale and nancy burton it so happened that they had never become friends until the baxendales took up their abode at the farm in the old days when the baxendales lived at the hall nancy had been a small girl whom lawrence may have known by sight but to whom so far as he remembered he had never spoken in those far-off days they seemed far off to him though in fact it was but a short time ago lawrence had been a quiet boy reserved and sensitive to a degree with few acquaintances among boys of his own age and no friends even then he gave evidence of a pride which seemed to have been his by birth pride in the long line of baxendale stretching back until it was lost in the dim mist of bygone centuries pride in the ancestral hall whose red bricks and square windows he so much loved pride even in the family curse which filled him when a child with a most delightful dread a most fearful joy as he grew older and found that despite this terrible curse no one grew the penny the worse he would look back with a smile at the time when he feared to go to bed at night fully expecting to be burnt alive before morning yet for all that he hugged the ancestral imprecation to his breast as a most cherished possession but as a boy he chiefly showed his pride to the outside world in what seemed a studied reserve part of this was no doubt shyness but in addition he intentionally held aloof from companions of his own age the baxendales even then were not able to mix much in society so that except when he paid a rare visit to drawbridge castle he did not come across boys who by birth were his equals yet in spite of his pride and reserve in spite of his unsociable reticence he was a refined well-bred boy 
with great capacities for good for his father he had a passionate love and devotion and it was his father who chiefly influenced his early years lady alicia was fond of her child proud of his good looks and distinguished air but she paid far more attention to his clothes than to his character she was only one of those women who look on the outward appearance of their darlings but who never win or even care to win their children's confidence from his father lawrence had inherited two excellent gifts a quick feeling for the humorous and a strong sense of humour he seemed instinctively to shrink from anything mean and underhand a hater of cruelty and naturally disposed to be lenient in his judgments in any matter touching honour he was pitiless in condemnation and never would allow mercy to temper justice having no companions of his own age he would have found time hang heavily on his hands but for his love of books hour after hour did he spend in the magnificent library of the hall he would probably have turned into a desultory bookworm as his father could not afford to send him to a public school had not the then vicar of tetley happened to be an admirable scholar when lawrence grew too advanced for his father he was sent for three or four hours every day to the vicarage to be instructed in latin and greek and other excellent things he was a clever boy and the vicar took the greatest delight in his instruction his tutor not only laid the foundation of accurate scholarship but also instilled in him a love for the english classics cultivating his naturally good taste until it became almost fastidious and not only taught him the knack of producing passable latin and greek verses but also the art of writing excellent english prose nevertheless lawrence did not grow up a milksop he had a great love of fresh air and rode his pony daily and took long walks in baxendale park and the maze of adjacent lanes moreover he had boxing and fencing lessons from the retired sergeant who was engaged at the grammar school of the neighbouring town of silverhampton wherefore though slight he was strong healthy and active he had his faults no doubt as so many of us have his pride in his race bred in him a certain tolerant scorn for those of humble birth his pride in his intellect was accompanied by something like contempt for his less gifted brethren his finished culture shrank from contact with people whose manners were less perfect than his own again his delicate sensitiveness in all matters affecting honour gradually developed into an excessive scrupulousness in his anxiety to avoid anything to which the most exacting moralist could take exception he invented scruples where none could be fairly said to exist he was an adept in finding a lion in the path in all matters affecting his own pleasure or advantage and he elevated conscience to a position of such eminence that it became almost a bogey with all this he was not a prig he was saved from that by the quickness with which he saw the ridiculous side of things and it is only fair to acknowledge that he was as ready to laugh at himself as at another from the humorous to the pathetic it is only a step and lawrence had a vein of tenderness and sympathy which he strove manfully and not unsuccessfully to conceal but which was evident enough to the few who knew him well he loved dumb animals especially horses and dogs but he was never much at home with children 
an only child himself and avoiding through both pride and shyness the companionship of others he had lived a more or less solitary boyhood and knew little and understood less of children which perhaps accounts for the fact that he quite ignored the short-frocked nancy and her sister when he met them taking their walks abroad under the protecting wing and vigilant oversight of their governess and was quite unconscious that their eyes were not only blue but uncommonly bright and pretty he had a quick eye for the flight of a bird or a cricket-ball but in things which really matter he was in those days as blind as a bat in due course lawrence went to oxford having won a postmastership at merton thanks to the admirable coaching of the vicar his father was only able to make him a scanty allowance so that even with his scholarship he had to lead a very quiet life and to indulge in few luxuries yet he enjoyed his college days better perhaps than if he had been able to gratify expensive tastes and frequent frivolous if not rowdy society he read hard and rode hard and had plenty of friends of a quiet sort he had not much difficulty in securing a first in both moderations and greats moreover he won the gaisford prize for greek verse a feat which greatly delighted his quondam tutor the vicar during his last year at oxford lawrence made his first real acquaintance with sorrow his father whose finances had been straitened for some years owing to agricultural depression and the extravagance of lady alicia found that he could no longer maintain his position at baxendale hall he decided to move to a small house but this decision was never carried into effect grief at leaving his ancestral home broke his heart and his last days were rendered more wretched by the selfishness of his foolish wife who was continually bemoaning her hard fate in having to resign the position in the county which was her due thus a narrower home than even the one he had contemplated claimed the broken-hearted man a home of quietness and peace where he found rest for his soul mr baxendale's death was a terrible blow to lawrence he had always been devoted to his father who had made himself a companion and friend to his son that a time would ever come when that companion and friend should be no more had never occurred to lawrence and when the blow fell it crushed him he could not believe at first that it could be true it seemed to him as though his father had gone on a journey and would soon come back then as he began to realize that it really was true that never again on this earth would he see his father's smile or clasp his father's hand his faith was staggered it could not be true that god was a loving father if he could thus deal with his children how could he so lawrence cried in his anguish permit his creatures to be thus tormented why should he have thus cruelly deprived him of his father in the plenitude of that father's powers with so much good left undone which he alone it seemed could accomplish so much duty neglected which he alone could fulfil if god were indeed pitiful and compassionate why did he permit such misery and unhappiness to innocent men and women where was the justice where was the love of the creator for a time the mystery of pain and of human sorrow and grief overwhelmed lawrence's soul but he faced his doubts and came through the darkness into light at last it was the remembrance of the father he had lost that was his sheet anchor in this time of storm-tossed doubt until he eventually realized the profound truth 
that the full influence of a man is never felt until his bodily presence has been removed that great though the grief may be yet it is in truest love and divinest knowledge that god sometimes decides that it is expedient for us that our dear ones should go away shortly after his father's death lawrence took his degree meanwhile his mother had gone to her brother lord portcullis whose wife had just died and had taken charge of his household as a tutor was required to teach the rising drawbridge how to shoot it occurred to the heads of the family that baxendale might undertake the post he was not specially attracted by the prospect but his pockets were so empty that there was room in them for his inclinations as well as his salary so he was compelled to pocket both on the same principle that thrifty persons drink inferior tea because they therewith receive a book as a bonus meanwhile the baxendale estates were managed by an agent but when the agent had been paid his salary and the heavy fire insurance which the owner was bound to maintain had been discharged there was not very much left from the diminished rent roll the residue such as it was was given to lady alicia by her son for her apparel which was by no means that of a meek and quiet spirit but was after a much more expensive if more effective style so time rolled on until drawbridge was ready for eton and as a consequence his cousin's services were no longer required it so happened at about this time it occurred to drawbridge's father that lady sarah sashenach had a pretty face and a charming manner on pursuing the train of thought thus suggested he began to speculate how the same face would look at the head of his table on the whole he came to the conclusion that he should prefer it to his sister's in his case for once the course of true love ran smooth as a consequence lady alicia as well as her son found her occupation gone it would have been well for baxendale if he had withstood the allurements of the immediate income he secured by becoming his cousin's tutor and instead of devoting such money as he possessed to the decoration of his mother's person he had spent it on the preparation of himself for the learned profession of the law this at the time had to his scrupulous conscience savoured too much of selfishness whereas if he had only used common sense he would have seen that in the long run his mother would have benefited by a temporary restriction in the number and expensiveness of her gowns but it is so difficult to use a sense that one does not happen to possess and few of us care to borrow another person's for the occasion to which minority lawrence did not happen to belong as things were now he had lost precious years moreover he had to find a home for his mother whose exodus from drawbridge castle was necessitated by the advent of the new countess his opportunity was therefore lost and as the idea of another tutorship was distasteful to him he determined to dispense with the services of an agent and manage his estate himself so he betook himself and his mother to poplar farm which happened to be vacant at the time and having learnt much while he was at drawbridge from his uncle's agent found himself quite competent to manage his own property with the salary saved and the rent of the house occupied by former agents added to his assets his income was brought up to a few hundreds a year sufficient for the needs of himself and his mother 
but quite inadequate to the introduction of a mrs lawrence baxendale he tried of course to let the hall but it was a large rambling building too old-fashioned for the modern merchant prince moreover its proximity to the town of silverhampton was against its being let as it is a notorious theory which no amount of fact can controvert that the surrounding country is as dark as erebus although any one who has sojourned in south mercia knows full well that the much maligned country is like a certain distinguished personage not nearly so black as it is painted the management of an estate is a healthful occupation as was evidenced by the bloom upon baxendale's face and the easy carriage of his slight but athletic frame yet it did not occupy his time to the full the above-mentioned personage is credited and there are apparently some grounds for the persuasion with the knack of finding occupation for idle hands this potentate has many local agents some paid and some honorary whom he engages to carry out his designs on this occasion the vacant post fell to miss nancy burton nancy herself was nothing loath to fulfil this useful office she had an appetite which would have done credit to alexander himself for new worlds which should finally be conquered by her bow and spear there was nothing of the little englander about miss burton in her policy there was no continent too vast to be annexed no tribe too unmanageable to be added to her dependencies therefore she hailed lawrence baxendale as one of those unknown yet conquerable spheres for which her great prototype sighed in vain she was very adaptable and had no difficulty in charming all with whom she came into contact and in persuading them that they and their concerns were objects of absorbing interest to her there was no insincerity in this as long as she was in the company of any person however dull her desire to put that particular person at ease and to find topics of conversation agreeable to him or her led to this result baxendale was an exceedingly clever man but unfortunately he had the knack of hiding his light under the bushel of shyness now nancy did not know what it was to be shy more than that she defied any one to be shy when in her company wherefore as the two met not infrequently she quickly discovered lawrence's abilities and found to her delight that he was very different from the average man of her acquaintance whose superabundance of health was more than balanced by a plentiful lack of wit not to say brains like other men lawrence found it impossible to be shy in her presence though he still maintained a reserve which nancy thought as extraordinary as it was unnecessary yet they became close friends in spite of scruples and of struggles on the man's part nancy did not exactly set her cap at the impecunious owner of baxendale hall but she dearly loved power and finding she was exceedingly quick in discerning feelings the man resisting her influence she determined that she would conquer his indifference she had no intention of breaking his heart still less her own but she decided that he should be made to care for her sufficiently to satisfy the point of honour and then he might depart with slightly scorched fingers but otherwise unhurt as for lawrence he began by thinking he disliked nancy her very frankness he critically put down to forwardness her wit he regarded as pertness her good humour as casual indifference but he soon found himself convinced of folly 
he began to recognize the charm of this brilliant young woman to see that her frankness was the result of absence of self-consciousness her easy tolerance the perfection of good manners from this he rapidly progressed to a recognition of the brightness of her wit and the fascination of her strong personality a day seemed lost if he did not see her a day appeared well spent if he had but five minutes of her charming society yet strange to say the more he was attracted the more reserved he himself became this puzzled nancy who was perfectly aware of his being attracted and equally conscious of his studied reserve lawrence himself knew but he was unable to gratify the girl's natural curiosity in short he had fallen in love with nancy and his sensitive conscience would not allow him to mention the fact to her if he had done so nobody would have been more surprised than she no one knew what a struggle he had with himself day by day as he saw her he fell deeper into the coils he knew what he was doing yet he made no effort to escape he knew that so far as he was concerned nancy was the only woman in the world and he accepted this elementary truth without a murmur yet his conscience told him that he could never marry her she was a girl accustomed to walk delicately along the luxurious ways of life he with his ancient birth and pride of race had nothing to offer her but a rambling mansion with a superb library which the terms of his grandfather's will had made it impossible for him to sell a large estate that brought him in a scanty income made scantier by the fact that this same will stipulated that both lawrence and his father could only succeed to the property on condition that they paid a heavy fire insurance to protect the hall from the consequences of the old curse moreover he had a mother with by no means inexpensive tastes to support so it came to pass that in his relations with nancy he was a man of many moods sometimes he would yield to the seductive charm of her bright talk at such moments he would unbend and become his own natural self he would allow his pleasant vein of humour and natural kindliness of heart full play then would nancy regard him as the most delightful of men and then all at once he would freeze up and become stiff and affected to nancy's great astonishment she would ask and ask with reason what she had done or said to justify such a change but to this lawrence would only reply with stately reserve that she had done and said nothing and would even deny a reserve which no one felt more strongly than himself when he was in this mood nancy thought with some justice that lawrence was the most disagreeable of men and determined that she would drop his acquaintance she would perhaps have passed a gentler judgment on the unhappy prisoner at the bar if she had only known that these sudden fits of chilling reserve were simply signs of a devotion and a love which lawrence felt were getting beyond his powers of self-control if nancy at such times was irritated almost beyond measure it is equally true that the man whom she regarded as absolutely devoid of human feelings was suffering the tortures of a self-made inquisition which would have put to shame most of the inventions of mediaeval spain End of chapter three